0: Kurt and Kate Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. What do you do when wisdom comes calling? Do you ever even think of wisdom calling and opening that invitation to you? Well, K.A. Ellis is the author of Wisdom's Call, 100 Meditations for a Life in Christ. It's a beautiful book, and here's the conversation. Karen, thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, Kate. It's a pleasure to be here with yeah. you. Well, first, we're going to be a little off topic, but I am curious, what is the Edmiston Center?
1: Oh, I love to talk about the Edmiston oh, good. Center. Oh, so, <laughs> I'm good. glad you asked. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so, so the Edmiston Center is a, an educational initiative. It's a research um, a program that exists at Reformed Theological Seminary in Atlanta. And we are unique in that, to my knowledge, we are uh, – one of the only educational centers and research centers whose focus is on research around Christian endurance under anti-Christian hostility. So we study the persecuted church throughout history and around the world in the contemporary days. Wow. Wow. Wow.
0: So, <laughs> So boy we we'll have to have you back and just talk about some of that, oh, what to. you're finding that must be amazing and you mm-hmm. know I, and I know you're talking about Christians but we're thinking today of Israel of course and sure. uh, mm-hmm. and what's happening there and well, we need to just be in prayer and we need wisdom. Mm-hmm. We need wisdom. So we need this book. It's beautifully written. And uh, I haven't gotten all the way through, but I don't think you built it that way that you're supposed to read the book today. It's really uh, chunks of wisdom and guidance in, in every chapter.
1: Correct. They are um, they're not disconnected meditations, um, but I'm building out of the concept of the difference between the house of wisdom and the house of folly, and mm-hmm. uh, that's in Proverbs. Um, it really begins in Proverbs seven because that's what's dealing with our hearts and our tendency towards idolatry. You know, with the uh, the um, the woman who you know the the woman who is um, rebellious, uh, and of course you know, we we stand on both sides of that equation. The one who wants to be faithful, yet we've got this draw through our flesh. As long as we're trapped in these bodies until we're freed, (laughs) you know, we're going to battle against um, our tendency towards death and destruction and um, lies and um, untruth. And so I sort of, you know, Looked at places in the Bible. I do a little bit of a theological um, uh, spade work around the where the where wisdom and folly come from. Um, we know through Scripture that by by wisdom the Lord laid the foundation. Of the world, and so that's really like you know the world doesn't run on Duncan as much as we, <laughs> as much as we'd like to think that it does because I love my cup of coffee, but coffee, the world yeah. really the, it's it's the physics of the world. He has undergirded our entire world with wisdom and understanding that there is a way and an order in which the world works that was set out for our flourishing mm. that uh, he created for us in the garden, and then of course we have the introduction of folly. Um, in the garden, with, through the serpent who deceives the woman with the almost truth, which is not truth, and you know it's funny because our culture, to me, and I write about this. Our culture tends to think of folly as silliness, but folly is destruction. Folly is death. And when you look at the contours and the inhabitants of folly's house in Proverbs nine, eight, and nine, you really see that um, this is this is a picture of rebellion Mm -hmm. against God. It's kind of an expansion of the fall. And so I spent time going back and forth between the two houses and um, looking at people through Scripture who were faced with the choice, continual choice throughout Scripture between, am I going to dwell in wisdom's house or am I going to dwell in Folly's house? Who was seeking wisdom in Scripture? Who was faced with seemingly impossible ethical decisions? And they had to make that choice. Am I going to make life or am I going to make death and destruction? And then I spent some time looking around the world at uh, people who were faced with um – uh, the same decisions today, and um, how they're dealing with those things, uh, how people have dealt with them historically. So that's kind of the framework I was working with. Yeah. I'm glad you're enjoying it.
0: Oh, I am. I really am. And and in one part, you you write, Scripture is full of one generous and welcoming invitation after mm. another. So. If that's true and and it's and wisdom undergirds the earth like you said why do we so often miss the call why do we not answer the door
1: <laughs> Because we are our, our parents' children, <laughs> it's it's <laughs> oh dear, yeah. <laughs> you know we are our parents' children, and uh, we we have that um, that uh, original sin that exists in us. You know, through the first wisdom choice from our parents in the garden, they had a choice not just to decide, um, you know, whether they were going to believe wisdom himself who had already told them how to live, um, or if they were going to believe their own judgments about whether or not he was lying to them. And it's funny how the serpent came in. I mentioned that almost truth before he comes in and he slithers up. And he says, is that really what God said? You will not surely die. So close. God says, you will die if you choose this path. And the serpent comes in and says, you will not surely die. Come on. Mm. And And immediately, the man and the woman in the garden, our ancestors, our spiritual ancestors, everybody's spiritual ancestors, immediately decided that they were going to depend on their own wisdom, which was bankrupt of what God had been teaching them. And so then they decided they were going to be the arbiters of right and wrong. They yeah. were going to be the arbiters of truth and falsehood. And that set us up, sis, for a pattern that has existed throughout history. It has made nations. it has made governments. it has made communities. it has made false religions. And it is it's it became our default position away from what we were originally created for. And so, but God in his in his, In his infinite wisdom and his mercy and his love, he continues to call out from that moment on. He even says it to the next generation when Cain is so angry at his brother's desire to be faithful. Cain comes and God even says to him before he slays Abel, he says, it doesn't have to be this way. Come back. Look at Genesis 3. He says, come back to me. And so we have this tension. We live in this tension of rebellion and folly and destruction and murder and death. As an orientation and this continual call by wisdom himself to come back, live in my house, worship with me, put me at the center of understanding the world around you and the and the the way you live and how you treat other people and how how you treat yourself and the choices that you make. And so that is wisdom's call, which personified as a woman in wisdom's house in Proverbs 8, but it's the call of Christ to all of us to come back, to come back to the place that He created for us to dwell in the place of life. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well.
0: Karen, you are talking about the call, and we're talking about uh, the house of folly, the house of wisdom, and I'm thinking that um, sometimes the house of folly must look more inviting, but mm. in uh, chapter 65, uh, Rock in a Weary Land, you talk about wisdom and illustrate it in a way that it may not look, it doesn't look like the most comfortable place to go, but it's the right place to go.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, wisdom's house, in and of itself... <clears throat> Is a beautiful picture when you contrast it with you know there's 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 you've got two women in wisdom and folly you've got two women making um, two invitations and wisdom's invitation is you know come all you who are simple come in that's everybody come all you who are simple <laughs> that's all of us come in and live come in and live with me and then you've got folly just like the serpent in the garden. Saying, "Come on in here. Come on, come in my house too. I've I've got things in here for you as well." So we've got these two calls continually vying for our attention, both standing in the middle of the in the middle of their cities, in their towns, and the houses look very different. And so you've got wisdom calling saying I've got I've got a well-planned meal is timed. The biscuits come out the same time when the gravy is hot mm-hmm. and the the catfish is ready and everything is hot. Folly's food is stolen. So you've got these two wisdom two to women, two calls, two meals, two sets of guests. Mm-hmm. Wisdom's guests are full of life and community and a spirit of cooperation. Folly's guests are the dead? Like I don't know if you ever saw the Walking Dead series, but those are the people that I imagine. You know, they're they're decaying and dying, even though they are living. And that's us before we move into Wisdom's house, mm. uh, when we're making the choices that destroy not just us but other people because we never sin in a vacuum, right? Right. So, um, so then you've got these, and you've got these two meals you, that that give you uh, two. Orientations. So I talk in this this meditation number sixty five about a woman that I met, um, had the pleasure of meeting, who was serving the Lord in full time ministry, um, which we all are in, whether we're you know in the marketplace or whether we're you know (laughs) we're all in full time ministry because we're all called to be doing the work of the kingdom. Uh, This woman was uh, extremely creative about making life in a very desolate geographically desolate place in the middle of the desert among a people who are bankrupt of hope and uh, this is really the, the 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 desert place for her became fertile ground for the gospel for a subversive undermining of the house of folly and destruction. And so she continues to serve, as far as I know, and uh, she she's very creative about how she serves because her conditions make sure that she has to be. Um, she can't expose herself too much. But she really is the least of these among the least of these. And she is seeing, you know, the old folks used to sing the song, you know, Jesus is a rock in a weary land. Yeah. Uh, He is is the rock in this weary land, and she, for me, became this illustration of incredible life, the lily in the desert, the lily in the valley that that, that is Christ that emerges just by a perspective shift. You know, a, a valley can become a mountain just by the presence of God. Just by shifting your perspective, just, she's doing that work in that place. So you know this is a shout out to all people, whether it's whether it's a geographically barren place or a spiritually barren place or a place where the enemy is just really um, uh, he's, his opposition is just really apparent and people seem to be buying into the lies and they're destroying themselves and they're destroying other people. be encouraged. When we focus on the, 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 the friend in Jesus, he's everything to me, fairest of 10,000 to my soul, uh, as the old hymn used to say, he changes the whole landscape by just by your presence. So stay in there, stay in, stay, stay in the kingdom work, stay in there wherever you are.
0: Amen. Oh, Karen, mm. this is great. It's a beautiful book, Wisdom's Call, K. A. Ellis, as the director of the Edmiston Center for the Study of Bible and Ethnicity in Atlanta, Georgia. Karen, I wish I could keep you longer, but because uh, <laughs> there's so much in this book, that's oh. it's. I'm glad you didn't just write one long book. I'm glad you made meditations oh. because there are so many different avenues to think about in this book, you know, uh, and I've just begun. So thank you for that. And please come back. That would be
1: great. I appreciate you for your time this morning.
0: Thanks for listening to Curtain Gate Mornings podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9am weekdays on the Moody Radio app.